I would like to set the stage for this, you know, holiday season, for the Christmas event. And uh, as we prepare our hearts and, you know, as we uh, approach some beloved truths that have been with us before us, but yet throughout our lifetime, they've been a constant, at least, you know, in our society, and particularly if you are a believer and a churchgoer, you will hear the subject and the story many times. And I am one that is not necessarily fond of reruns. Okay? I don't like reruns. Because, you know, I've heard that already. I've seen that already. But this is one rerun that I really enjoy. Because in in each rerun, there is some beloved truths that begin to continue to expand. And today I hope that in this beginning, this message, that those beloved truths, this beloved truth, will have some fresh insights for you. Not for the sole purpose of knowledge, but for the purpose of transformation and relationship. So, rerun. For unto us a child is born. Am I too loud? It's here loud up here. I'm not. Okay. It was, I don't know. It just about blown me out of this. And I can't hear. <laughs> <laughs> unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So is the reading passages of the scriptures this morning. And only a few of those, you know, have we put up uh, that carry with us the theme. But in the bulletin, I believe, is a number of uh, extra verses. So, Scott mentioned a renewal of vows, and I am amazed to how God, that was kind of the conclusion of my message, and so he brought it to the forefront. Uh, And so I thank God for that amen. In my prayer time, I've noticed the Holy Spirit at work in me, in a dimension of not just being a casual Christian, 
fact, it's in our prayer time with the leadership that has, has been our prayer. A casual Christian. And so we might ask ourselves, what is a casual Christian? Well, a casual Christian, you know, is a believer. But at the same time, might lack a fervency. It was the beloved John in Revelations that talked to the church at Laodicea, and I said, Lord, I, I, I don't want to be, nor do I want us to be a Laodicean church. Where that life is running smooth. All the pieces fit together. Blessings flow unending. But the one thing that would be missing was that fervor and that passion just for Jesus. How do I know? Because he said that, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, I will come to him and we will sup or sit down and have personal time together. Mind you, I have known nothing but Jesus Christ. My life has been dedicated to him, to his kingdom, to his work. And yet, he would come and say, Casual Christianity. And so in this season, the scriptures that we read, I believe it's important to keep Jesus in the center of our Christmas. The center of our lives. We must not de-Christ Christmas. It must not be sanitized so that it becomes a celebration that reduces it to secular celebration of generosity and gift giving. That it is more than a season of toys, gifts and goodies, but in reality, it is the redemption of mankind. The redemption of mankind. And as I began to think and wonder about this casual Christianity, is it possible that when we lose 
the depth and the degree of sin and its power and its hold and its in our lives that we can become casual about our salvation. I don't know. It's a question. You see, the angel said to Joseph as he's pondering this conversation, he said, and he shall save his people from their sin. You see, there is not only a good news in Christmas, there is also a revelation of the bad news. And without the bad news, you're probably not going to accept the good news. The bad news is, is that sin is a reality. Oh, you can't use that word, I know, but... And of everything that you can run from, you cannot run from the sin that lurks inside of us. You can run from relationships, but you can't run to the nature of sin that we inherited from Adam and Eve. And it's what's inside of us that has the potential to destroy us. And our Heavenly Father knew that. And that's why he sent his son Jesus Christ. That which had separated God and man. It separates man and man. It was that thing that gave everything a short lifespan. Everything in the world has a short lifespan now. But there is good news that comes at this Christmas season that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. Eternity. In this moment of Christ's birth is, is a divine intervention of extraordinary means. God is entering into the affairs of mankind. A very particular and significant juncture, God acts and did act on behalf of his people. Titus said this, for the grace of God hath a that brings salvation has appeared to all men. 
And then he goes on and defines and says that we look unto Jesus, our Savior, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify himself, his own special people, who are ready for good works. Yes, Jesus is the gift that unlocks all other gifts. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Amen. It says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld full of grace and truth. And so as we again visit them, may we find the application understanding how God might be working. Because this is a miraculous event. And he has miracles for you and for me. Not just a holy rerun this morning, church, of a story that we've heard over and over. But like the shepherds, that when they first heard the story, it captured their heart. And they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Why? Well, I believe that joy, you know, is the greatest expression of something that is monumental and amazing. It is a witness of the worth of what we are enjoying. Joy. And joy, of course, has so many reverberations in our lives. When we're joyful, when we express joy, it says we'll find an amazing level of not human strength, but God's strength. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? Hallelujah. So, like we're hearing it for the first time. Not just a rerun. I once was lost, but now I'm found. It was Jesus himself that said, you know, guys, you can be excited about a lot of things. But the thing that you need to be most excited about is that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. This morning, let us consider some miracles. Number one, the miracle of the moment. 
Galatians chapter 4 says that when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law. God's timing, 4,000 years, and yet here at this moment in time, divinely set up for the purpose and the plan and the miracle of God. We recently talked about divine detours, and yet this fits so perfectly in the fact that God is in control. His timing is exact. And his plans are good. Absolutely. See, Christmas is the story of supernatural timing. And as we said, how does that relate? Not only in the history of what has taken place, but in the, your life and my life. Think about it. You may be waiting, but heaven is working. You may be wondering, but heaven is clear. Absolutely. It says that the fullness of time, complete and fully developed, all pieces in place, the stage perfectly set. Yes. There are times that God's timing confuses us. But his timing is always on time. A divine arrangement by the Almighty. We understand that the conditions of those times was spiritual bankruptcy. Moral decline and superstition and immorality and corruption and unbelief. Is a world filled with broken promises and broken dreams and broken homes and broken hearts. Old religious systems were dying. Philosophies were empty and powerless to change lives. Trying to fill that gap with strange, new, mysterious religions invading in that Roman Empire. With God <laughs> at the appropriate time. Amen. <coughs> Divine setups. The Roman Empire had been in rule for a number of years. And they are the ones that we go ahead and attribute to creating roads so that travel would be made more easily possible. Think about it. 
God was bringing a message and a, a gospel that he wanted it to expand throughout all of the world. And so in the process, he sets up by the hands, of course, of those that are not believers, but yet they become part of the set-up workers. It's possible that there may be someone in your life that may be part of God's set-up workers. Hallelujah. Yes. And not only that, but the universal language that existed then was Latin and Greek. Now, to us, that might not mean a lot, but how many know that language is important for communication? It was the differences of language that caused the Tower of Babel to fail. Yes. Communication by, by language. The miracle of the moment had arrived. Yes. For sure. And then just give food for thought this morning. The miracle star. We have seen his star. We have seen his divine light that will guide you. Yes. Now, I'm not an astronomer, but I believe that there is a guiding light in the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives and for our lives. You need to see your star. Because it's there. Because he has promised to come at just the right time. The right way. It says in Romans chapter 5, when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die because you're so gifted. He didn't die because you're so needed. He died because you had a need. You had a need. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, I understand this morning that we're on this side rejoicing in what had happened on this side. But it will improve our rejoicing if once in a while we visit what had happened on this side. Once I was lost, but now I am found.
Paul wrote this to the Ephesians. He says, I was in the world with no hope. I was separated from the covenant promises. But in Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, that covenant promise becomes yours and mine. I'm heirs with God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I don't know who's got the biggest retirement fund here this morning or the greatest heritage of which you're going to pass on. And I probably won't get in on it because I'm not related to you. (laughs) But you can get in on it by becoming related to Jesus Christ. For it says that to many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them who believe on his name. Yes, Christmas is a story and a miracle of particular moments that happened in in your life. If you recognize the moment, you'll be able to enjoy the blessing. If you miss the moment, then we got to chase you. And get you back to your moment. Because your moment has not passed. It's just been extended. There's a miracle, not only in the moment of Christmas, but the message of it. And that of all the ways that God has spoken, the one we sang this morning was about creation. In Genesis chapter 1, as the creation unfolds, it is more than just creating earth and the atmosphere. It is the voice of God. As you look and firmaments, the stars and everything, there's God communicating a message, a voice. And then after that creation, we discover and we read that he sends people, voices reaching out. Same message, just different vehicles. And yet they were still those that were not getting the message. And so he sends his son. 
he has in these last days spoken unto us by his son. The same one, he said, that made, you know, was in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 of creation. Just with a different voice. By his son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world. So when he sends Jesus Christ, he's saying, you know, I love you. I love you. Fallen, distant. At times unreceptive. Confused and lost and messed up. Aren't you glad you don't have to qualify for God's love? (laughs) You don't. Because he loved you while where you were. Yet. Sinners. How could God love us in our old state? Because God is love. He loves you. So he sent his son as a last plea, as a last voice to get us to listen that he might rescue us from the impossible curse that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We celebrate life. Imagine the, the ecstasy of the day that Jesus appeared at Lazarus' house and he speaks the word and all of a sudden Lazarus wakes up. What do you think was the excitement there? Because life has a way of changing the countenance of an individual. It has a way of changing the direction of an individual. Now that was just natural life. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life.
thankful, Lord, today that the miracle of the message is that God has come for relationship interventions between you and God, between man and man, between life and living. Through him, there's hope. The things in life that have beaten you up, they come to rescue, to restore. I love the words of Joel the prophet who said, I will restore that which the locust has eaten and the canker worm and, you know, the palmer worm and all those worms. Now, because most of you are not farmers, you don't care about worms. <laughs> but it's more than just a worm. It's the worm of sin. And he said, I'll, all that which it has taken away, all those years that have been lost, I'm going to restore it. Yes. Hallelujah. So God has spoken through eternity, past, but he speaks to us about his love. Now let me make this statement. We often speak of God's love and what he gave but have you thought about God's love in relationship to what he gave up? See, love is not just in how much you give. It is in how much you give up. He who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, but he humbled himself. He really gave up. He gave up his equal status with God. He gave up the privileges of deity. And he took on the status of a slave. He left his home and his glory his homeland, his country. All because he loved. He loved. What an amazing thing. God's message of love. And then, of course, you're familiar with God's method, and I'm God's method, simplifying it, is always new life by new birth. New life by new birth. Oh, yes. The fragrance of life 
as he said to Nicodemus as he was inquiring about this thing called the kingdom of God. And his interest of trying to understand it, Jesus said to him, because he's not able, he said, you know, you got to make a first step first. You may never get the whole revelation and be able to comprehend what is going on until you come through the door. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. Yes, church, Christmas is Jesus at the center. And when he said to Nicodemus, you can't even see the kingdom unless you have a new birth. You can't enter the kingdom unless you're born again. And of course, that's a confusing word. Standing on the outside until you get on the inside. How can this type of thing be? You must be born of water and of spirit. Why does the kingdom make sense to some people and no sense to other people? Because when you get to look from the inside, your view is much better than just looking from the outside. Hallelujah. Celebration. Celebration. God's method, often unique, out of the ordinary. Yes, God's methods are different than ours. And we never lived through a different method more than recently when my, my son had married and, you know, his wife didn't have a passport yet. But oh, when the passport came, the celebration began. God's method. It doesn't make sense. But once you're on the inside, what a method. It's a miracle. As my musicians come this morning and I talk about the last one, the beauty of God's operation, God's setup, and 
we sing the story and display the marriage, a manger scene. And yet in there is a miracle. A miracle that is taking place that can be missed. How is it that the shepherds happen to be there? How is it that they were able to find the baby by such a small clue as wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger? See, God is a God of precision. A God of precision. Those were not ordinary shepherds. They were priestly shepherds who kept the flocks that were designed for the sacrifices. Fantastic. They were the priests that were going to validate the legitimacy of the lamb in its perfection. What do we learn from this? And before we finish that up, is you need to trust God's logistics. You need not be surprised by God's arrangements. And there's some signs if you don't miss them. And so when they said to the shepherds, you shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. They didn't have far to go. Because that stable was the birthing place for the lambs that were going to be chosen for the sins of the world were raised. And that when a little lamb was born, they would wrap the legs of that lamb with swaddling clothes so that the lamb would not hurt itself or damage itself because you know how lambs can be. Because it has to be a lamb that is spotless and blameless. And so immediately as they hear the shepherds, you know, identifying. 
characteristics of this moment, they knew exactly where to go. Where to go. Yes, as you stand with me this morning, Christ has been certified as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's been certified. You can trust him. There is power in the Lamb of God. In the process of his life, he claimed to be the Son of God, even one with God. The angel declared that he was Christ the Lord. Jesus claimed to be the bread of life and the living water. He said, I have power to forgive sins. I have power to lay down my life and take it up again. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and the resurrection. And I'm the only path to eternal life. I have all power and authority in heaven and earth. And if all of this is true, then there's a choice to be made, right? If Jesus is really who he says he is, then there's a decision that needs to take place in our lives. Because it's an eternal matter that we're dealing with. Okay. I know. Pastor... Why are you talking to us about this? I can tell you the date, the time, and everything that surrounded it when I made that commitment. Because I think that the Holy Spirit was calling us to a renewal of our vows. To a commitment to a commitment to Christ at this moment. And if the eternal destiny hasn't been settled, settle it. And if it's been settled, rejoice in it. And I believe that Jesus Christ is not just a commitment for eternity, but it's a commitment in life. It's a commitment to marriage. It's a commitment to family. It's a commitment to church. It's a commitment to your life. It's a commitment to walk in close fellowship with the Lord. I will not be a casual Christian. Hallelujah. We will not be a casual church. 
Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> what do you think? Am I right or wrong? Yeah. God's not trying to take away our life. He's trying to give us life. He's trying to connect with our life. And to connect with our life is not just something that happens on the inside. It is something that happens on the inside and throughout life. It affects how I see creation. It affects the voice that I hear as creation speaks of the wonders of God. But he has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Do not look for another voice. Do not look for another advent in history. There it is. There it is. God. Come on to me. In all of that I've said is, is that we would be like the shepherds. That they went to see, or now they went to the manger. And they discovered and they saw. And then they went out and they started to broadcast it. Hallelujah. When we visit again, our beginnings will go out and will broadcast what the future can be. Father, we thank you today. We thank you that this is an advent of God in the history of man that changes all of history. And as we leave today and as we prepare ourselves for this holiday and Christmas season, we make a special visitation in our minds and our hearts to reevaluate so that we with joy and excitement might tell the world a savior is born. Amen and amen. God bless. Go with God. He'll go with you.